Hello and welcome to a Monday night evening edition of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm, of course, your host, Hunter Hodes. Follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. Uh, we have a very special show for you guys tonight. Um, I know we had the one that came out earlier this morning with the uh, the trade bait board with Jeff uh, from Penn's Twitter. That was a lot of fun to do. Got to pick his brain a little bit on you know where he thinks some of those players could go on the trade bait list board and you know if they, whether they were fit for the Penguins. Of course, you know some of those players were never going to go to the Penguins because the Penguins just didn't um, have the assets to give up for them. And of course, some of them resigned like Chris Kreider, but. Um, uh, you know, it was a lot of fun to do. And for today, you know, we have Jesse Marshall of The Athletic coming on to the podcast. Um, I've been really looking forward to having Jesse uh, on for a while now. Um, it's going to be really exciting to, you know, just pick his brain a bunch on the Marlowe trade, you know, where I where he potentially fits in the lineup. The Cahoon trade, sending Cahoon for Sherry and Rodriguez, where he thinks um, those two fit. And if he thinks the team is a lot deeper now than it was 24 hours ago. Um, and you know how far he sees this team potentially going with the changes that they've made in and there's still more coming with, uh, of course, Brian Dumoulin and John Marino uh, coming back. So look forward to that. He'll be coming in the next uh, two segments. It'll be just me for this segment, and then Jesse will be on for the final two segments of this uh, today's episode. So, of course, you know, trade deadline day is always one of my favorite days. Uh, you know, for those that realize that I do tweet a lot, I tweet even more on trade deadline day because it's a bu- just a bunch of uh, quote tweets from me. You know, that's that's what I like to do. You know, I like to laugh at teams doing funny stuff. I like to laugh at um, bad returns. I like to laugh at my team doing stuff. It's just, it's a lot of fun, you know, get to, getting to see the hockey community come together for one whole day. Um, it was really hard studying for this test that I had today for one of my elective classes for college. Uh, I do not wish that on anyone that had to go through the same thing. I had a test at 2.30, and of course, that's right when the Connor Sherry and Evan Rodriguez trade broke for the Penguins. So, you know, I knew Jim Rutherford was going to do something like that. Um, it never fails, and now, I never really have, have been busy on trade deadline day, but it was very, very annoying that I was this year and that I had to study for a freaking test in my elective class. I hope I did well on it. But anyways, back to hockey. The Penguins, of course, you know, acquiring their first trade, Patrick Marlowe, for a third-round pick that's going to be, to be a second-round pick in next year's draft if the Penguins win the Stanley Cup. My overall thoughts on it, you know, I don't hate it. You know, I also don't love it per se. You know, I mean... There's one thing that you, who really gives a crap about, and you know the. Um, I'm just trying to get my words right here. The cost to acquire means nothing. He gave up a draft pick. He makes very little salary. I think it's like what below 900k a year. That's that's nothing. He has 10 goals, 20 points this season. Obviously, Patrick Marleau is not what he once was, but you know they're paying him to be a third line winger. That's what he's going to be, and I think it's going to be fine. The only problem, you know, the question that I have, or problem question, whatever you, whatever, um, is. Like, are his hands still there? Because I feel like, you know, he's lost a bit of step in his game. He doesn't score like he used to. Um, he can definitely skate. And, you know, we're going to ask Jesse about that coming up in the next segment. But, you know, can he produce? And, you know, I think playing on the third line with someone like Jared McCann and Patrick Hornquist will help him. Um, uh, um, he's, uh, he's definitely going to be really excited to come here. This is probably one of his last opportunities to win the Stanley Cup. He's 40 years old. Um, I also think when I hear this trade, it just screams like a Matt Cullen kind of deal. Or if you guys remember way back when the Penguins acquired Billy Guerin during 2008-2009, that's what I feel like this is. And I think Billy Guerin, of course, had more scoring punch at that um, moment in his career than Marlowe does right now. Some people have been comparing this trade to Jerome McGinley. I completely disagree with that. That's not what this is at all. Jerome McGinley 
was better at the time, and they also played him on his off wing, and I will never forget forgive Dan Bosman for doing that. So, um, Dan Bosman, if you ever listen to this podcast, you suck for doing that. But, um, yeah, I just, it's not, I, I like, I mean, I like it, but I just, I have some reservations. I just want to make sure that he can produce, and if he produces, you know what? You know, I'll eat crow. I'll eat all the crow. It won't be the first time I've been wrong. It won't be the last time I've been wrong, you know? I was way more wrong about the uh, Brandon Tanev signing than probably a lot of other people were. Um, I, you know, you're also talking to someone who also liked the Rob Scuderi signing at some point. Yes, I actually endorsed the Rob Scuderi signing when Ray Shiro signed him. It was, yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I still can't believe that. You win some, you lose some. And those a couple of those are big fat L's for me. I'm hoping that Marlowe will be uh, really good in the Penguin uniform. Um, it sounds like his uh, wife is really excited for him to be here. Apparently Patrick Marlowe grew up a Penguins fan. And if you guys were seeing some of the pictures that she was posting on her Twitter page today of what Marlowe looked like in those Penguin sweaters, uh, please go look at it. Christina Marlowe on Twitter. Um, just absolutely hysterical. The Penguins' wives now are um, one of the best parts about the team. You love to see it. Carl with Carly Zucker, uh, Christina Marlowe, of course, you have Latang's wife, Gino's, etc., etc. So um, that's uh, awesome. But anyways, back to the hockey thing. You know, you can also move Marlowe, I think, up into you know the um, top six if you need to be. There's still some injuries going on right now. Zach Gaston-Reese, of course is out for a while, a week to week, and then uh, we don't know what's going on with Nick Bukestad, though he did make the road trip. I'm not even sure if there's really a place in the lineup for him when he comes back. But yeah, you know, just I have my reservations, and you know, well, let's see if let's see if he can produce. Uh, the other trade, of course, you know, the Penguins, it was a little unexpected. They traded Dominic Cahoon for Connor Sherry and Ivan Rodriguez. Uh, old pal Connor Sherry comes back. And yes, it is Connor Sherry, not Connor Sherry. He had to correct people when he went to Buffalo. That is Indeed, not Connor Sherry. It is Connor Sherry. So remember that, everyone. Um, my thoughts on this trade. I thought for in the moment, I was like, wow, like they actually get, get given up Dominic Cahoon. I was like, that's a little bit steep. Um, and then I was looking at um, some some charts, you know, some underlying numbers. And, you know, Sherry and Cahoon are actually pretty similar. And I know people are going to say, like, well, you know, Cahoon has more points. Well, Cahoon has also had a lot more top six minutes. Sherry has not had that in Buffalo. He's had a really decent season for um, Buffalo last season. He's has a He's had an okay season for them this season. He also knows the Mike Sullivan system very well. And you guys forget, the Penguins really did not want to give him up a couple seasons ago. They had to do it for a cap problem. And, of course, it was for Jack Johnson. So, I mean, yeah, bad. I mean, it was fine to give him up, just not for Jack Johnson. But they were back they were able to get him back. They seem really, really happy about it. You can plug Connor Sherry anywhere in the lineup. Cindy Crosby's wing, excuse me, is obviously going to be a big place for him where he might go. Um, bottom six, you can put him there. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm excited about it. I, you know, people are going to say like, oh yeah, he falls down, man. Well, no, no, he doesn't. It's really not that often that he does it. So, um, I don't know why people have to keep saying that. Evan Rodriguez, I think is um, pretty crafty. I know he only has five goals this season in 38 games. He's also coming off a near 30 point season with the Sabres last season. So there is some talent there. He's also only 26. Um, I believe he's an RFA after this season, if I'm not mistaken. So the Penguins will have an option to resign him. Connor Sherry is, of course, a UFA. Um, so, you know, this just gives the Penguins more depth. And the Penguins are a lot more deeper now, I think, than they were 24 hours ago. You know, I think Jesse is going to hopefully agree with me uh, when I ask him about that in the next segment. But um, they added three forwards and they gave up one. And, you know, if you look at the Penguins' trade deadline acquisitions as a whole, this is what, you know, they got versus what they gave up. Acquire Jason Zucker, Patrick Marlowe, Evan Rodriguez, 
and Connor Sherry in exchange for a first-round pick in this year's draft, Alex Galchenyuk, a third-round pick in next year's draft, which could be a second, and Dominic Cahoon. I'm sorry, that is a win in my book for the Penguins, and I don't know how you could argue otherwise. I know a lot of people are pretty high on Dominic Cahoon, but... And he, and he was good, but the thing with Cahoon is I felt like he was a little just too streaky for my liking. You know, he had those 11 games where, you know, it didn't look like he was fitting in, and then he, all of a sudden he lights it up with eight goals in 18 games. I wrote about this today for fans side of it too. You guys can go check it out. And then he has a stretch where he goes two goals in 21 games. Of course, the concussion doesn't help, but still, even without the concussion, he was still barely not scoring. And, you know, I think, you know, that's kind of maybe driving Mike Sullivan a little bit nuts a little bit. But, you know, that it's just... It's not the end of the world if, you know, you're trading Dominic Cahoon for two debt players in return who actually can produce. And, you know, and if we're really, um, you know, one of these, uh, I saw one of the best tweets uh, from Penn's Twitter today, you know, Eric um, Emanity, you know, he said, he said when a, a good buddy, when you're arguing over reasonably comparable bottom six players, your roster is in a good spot. That is probably one of the best tweets I have ever seen on Twitter.com. That's just, that is it in a nutshell. When you are arguing over reasonably comparable bottom six players who produce almost at the same rate, you have a very, very good roster. And oh yeah, guys, the Penguins are also getting back John Marino and Brian Dumoulin in the next week or two. They're on this road trip. So, excuse me, they're going to get those two players back and this deadline is going to look even better for the Penguins when they do. So yeah, I think this, uh, for me, this deadline is about a B for the Penguins. I think they could have maybe aimed higher for the Marlowe trade. Maybe they didn't have to give up Dominic Cahoon, but still, they're a lot deeper than they were 24 hours ago. This makes them now 14 forwards deep when the team is fully healthy. Hell, it makes them 15 forwards deep if they get Jake Ensel back for the Stanley Cup final. Just remember that, everyone. All right, so I'm pleased to welcome um, Jesse Marshall from The Athletic. You know, when I started out this podcast, he was definitely on the list of people that I wanted to get on the podcast at some point during the season. And what better than to be on trade deadline day? So, Jesse, thank you so much for coming on this episode of Locked on Penguins. Uh, it really does mean a lot. No problem. It's uh, there's, no, there's no shortage of stuff to talk about today, so happy to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's just get uh, right into it. Uh, the Patrick Marlowe trade, you know, I said in my earlier segment, I'm still kind of – I want to see if he can still produce. I know he has 10 goals, 20 points. I know you have a video piece you said coming out tomorrow um, about Patrick Marlowe. Um, what are your thoughts on the deal overall? I mean, you know, I'm first of all, I'm not really concerned about his ability to fit into the system, right? I mean, you just got to think it was only last year he was keeping up with the Leafs, who, you know, last season were arguably a faster team than the Penguins were. Um, so I, the wheels are there. I'm not worried about his ability to keep up at all. Um, yeah, I think, you know, just in watching Tape Hunter, like the Sharks are so bad defensively. Yeah. They're awful, right? Like they're really terrible. Everybody's out of sorts. I mean, as you watch him play, it doesn't look very cohesive. But because Mar- you know, Marlowe's got that experience at center, so I think if there's any problem with him defensively, it's that he leans on those center tendencies. But I also, Hunter, think that sometimes he's doing that because everyone else is out to lunch. Right? So, like, where's the most threatening part of the ice? The middle, right? The slot. That's not necessarily his responsibility, but I... Just in the games I've watched so far, I've found him there more often than not, and it's sort of like out of necessity. So these defensive numbers for him look really bad. They looked bad in Toronto too. I think that's the the biggest concern in all of this. But I'm also having a hard time identifying like what it is 
uh, within his game that's the problem. I, I kind of just have a tendency to think it's more about the Sharks than anything because I'm not like I'm not seeing deficiencies. I think as long as you set like the right expectation here, okay. Then this this is to me like a Bill Guerin move. That's what um, I, that's what I was thinking too. Uh, it sounds like a Matt Cullen, yeah. Billy Guerin when they got him in 09. You know, I think Billy Guerin I think had of course more production at the time uh, than Marlowe does now, but you know, it just it screams that kind of move. It was this and, and for instance, right? There was a, a stretch in December where the Sharks went one and ten. Oh God! And scored right and scored more than two goals. In one of those performances. Oh, so, like, I, I just, I look, it's bad. Yeah, and they only scored two goals in that stretch four times. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't, like, there's a multiple one-goal performances in there. And I, what I thought was interesting is in looking at the data, the Sharks aren't generating a whole lot consistently offensively, but Marlowe has. Yeah. So even where they've had hiccups and they haven't scored and the team's been, in, you know, in shambles in a lot of ways – Every night, you know, you get this sort of solid baseline performance from him. Um, and I think as long as we acknowledge that his best fit is in the bottom six mm-hmm. as a third or a fourth liner, that's where he's going to make the most of his hey. And he's a guy who I think you could play him with Teddy Bluger and have a really strong defensive presence with like a Brandon Tanev. I think that you could you could sub him in with Crosby and Malkin when needed. Um I thought what stood out to me the most so far tonight is is how many long shifts he takes for his age. He's not a guy who just bails. Um, he's out there sometimes for like a minute 20. Oh my lord. Um, wow. Just making sure. But you'd think like the Sharks spend a lot of time in their own end, right? So That's some of that is symptomatic of like he's in his own zone. He can't get out. So when he gets the puck on his stick, he's not just going to dump it. Like he's got to try to create something, right? Yeah. So um, I, I think the only other thing I would mention – I've gone on, like, on a ramble here. But the only other thing I'd mention <laughs> is super unreliable Hunter when it comes to carrying the puck in the zone. I think that's the one thing. He's better suited as a guy that's a four-checker that's generating the turnover uh, than he is the guy that you want to give it to him on the wing and let him do all the, the legwork. Um, I think he yeah. struggled there. Um, not, not again because of speed. It just hasn't been his forte. He's retrieved pucks like crazy. Okay. I mean, he can get in on the fort. You know, that's not been a problem. The carry-in part hasn't worked out for him. He's been super unsuccessful with it. So I think he can get it to the blue line, Hunter. But once he gets it there, it all falls apart. So I think, it's, again, just framing this overall, as long as the, the deployment is correct, I think the Penguins have a very fruitful bottom six player here. Yeah, and that sounds like, you know, it sounds, it sounds like a little bit like Patrick Hornquist, I could kind of say. He's not really good, I think, at carrying it in sometimes. He likes to dump it in. A bunch as well. And then I also saw people wanted to put, I think, McCann with Marlowe and they maybe use Hornquist down there. I could see that. Um, I know I know that they want McCann at third line center uh, long term. I think that's I think that's believe why they required him in the first place. Um, I still don't know what they're going to do with Nick Bukestad. They could play him with him. Uh, I'm just I'm really excited to see how he plays uh, down there. I think him with Bluger would be really good. Teddy is really good defensively. I know his faceoff is his faceoff's been really good lately too. Um, it's just I'm really I'm really excited about it. And to that to that point, Hunter, having a guy like a Marlowe on a line with Bluger mm-hmm. inherently allows him to be more aggressive on faceoffs. Because if he gets kicked, he knows Patrick Marlowe's coming in to take the draw. Yep. Which no offense to Brandon Tanev, 
not great at that. It's <laughs> <That's laughs> just not what Brandon Tanner's strength is. So, I mean, you know, I, that to me, you kind of get the – you buoy him a little bit with some really good younger defensive players. Same time, you give him the opportunity to, to bolster Bluger's face-off work. Um, I mean, I, I just think it, it works out in that sense. I mean, and the fact that he can skate is what makes this great because there's nowhere he's out of place. I mean, again, I don't think that he's a solution to the top six long term in any way. Oh, but uh, you again, spot starts and stuff. You know, long ends of long shifts. Power, you know, power play comes out. You know, he, he can jump in there and, and play a role. So um, I think as long as you've got him with the right guys, you know, it's an improvement. Yeah, no, I, absolutely. I mean, I'm really excited to see him play. Uh, before we get to the next trade, Jesse, uh, there's there were some rumors over the weekend that, that the Penguins were, you know, interested in Wayne Simmons. And when I heard that, I was just like, "What?" <laughs> like, you know, not only is he slow, but he doesn't really fit what the Penguins were looking for. Jesse, were they ever actually interested in him, or was that just like a pipe dream kind of? I look, at, you know, people hear things from people, and, and mm-hmm. stuff flies all over the place. I I've poked around about it today, and the answer I got was no. Is that that was never. Okay. That was never something the Penguins, you know. Now I will tell you this: like sometimes people drop stuff out there um, in an attempt to drive prices up somewhere else. It's very political, uh, you know how it is. Yeah. So I, it's one of those things. I mean, I, you know, I asked this morning. Um, it seemed like uh, the sense that I got, Hunter, of the way that this all worked, like to map it out, uh, was the Penguins were interested in Connor Sherry um, last week. Uh-huh. And, and I got the sense, and if you notice today, all the business Jason Bottrell did was with his former bosses. Yep. And I, I kind of got a weird vibe from that because there, there was there was like a sense from people that Bottrell was being a little bit unreasonable maybe in areas. So I feel like the Penguins came into last night having nothing on Connor Sherry. They made a hard left-hand turn to Patrick Marlowe, mm. got that done. They went back to the drawing board on Sherry and were able to actually get something accomplished mm-hmm. um, at the final hour. So I, I don't – but to your point, I don't think Wayne Simmons was ever a part of any discussion for, for the reasons that you mentioned. OK. Well, at least that, that's good. But yeah, Jason yeah, Jason Barrow had a very interesting day as the uh, Sabres GM. I was – you know, trading for Wayne Simmons is always funny and then the reasoning – for Simmons going there, I just I probably laughed about that for five to ten minutes because uh, they think they can make the playoffs, which is probably not going to happen. But uh, anyways, I'm getting off track here. So. It's it's but it's crazy because like last week he complained nobody wanted to dance with him. Yeah, you know, he was yeah. expressing this public frustration, and I'm just thinking, you know, and look, Dominic Cahoon, we'll get, I'm sure we'll get to this in a second, but is it good to give up for Connor Sherry? You have to wonder if. That's where you ended up. What was it before? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, where, where, yeah. where was the starting point? Exactly. Because <laughs> um, this was something that went on over a period of days. Like, it took a long time to get to the end point. So, you know, I have to question if maybe there were, like, picks involved at one point. Mm-hmm. And then I think maybe, you know, it could have been, honestly, Hunter, and I don't know this for sure, but maybe when uh, Jim Rutherford traded that pick to San Jose, Jason Bottle knew he wasn't going to get it. Uh, and then that just started the conversation all over again. I and mean, I, I think I could have, I could see it going like that just based yeah, on the, the timetable. But yeah, um, it's been, an, yeah, it's interesting the way it all worked out. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, now we can just get to the uh, the next trade. Um, Jesse, there was a lot of uh, people on Penguins Twitter today that, uh, you know, when they traded Dominic Cahoon, and the Penguins fans do this for some players, you know, it's like that we traded Jesus or Wayne Gretzky and uh, Jesus. Or Kalen Addison, for God's sake. Yeah, I mean, it was like, I mean, I like Dominic Cahoon. I I think he's a good player. I I also think he's streaky. 
uh, I wrote about this in my article today for when I broke down the trade. You know, he of course, he started out, I think, scoreless in his first 11. Then he had eight in his next 18. And then he had the 2-21 and 21 stretch. And, of course, it sucks that he had the concussion. Now, that always will derail uh, part of your season. <clears throat> Excuse me. But, you know, it, just, it seemed like people were really overreacting to trading Cahoon. And I also think, this is just me speaking, that this also had a lot to do with them being cap crunch at the end of this season with RFAs because McCann is going to be eligible, Simone, Murray, Jari. And I think they made the choice that we're choosing – McCann and Simone over Cahoon, and we can also just get two players for him right now who honestly are, you can make the argument that they're just as good. I mean, what, what do you think about this deal? So, uh, I didn't know Dominic Cahoon scored 40 goals this year. Let's yeah. start there. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm, blown, I'm blown away by the reaction to this trade. So, uh, and look, I get it. Dominic Cahoon was an RFA, right? But you have got to give me something that, that tells you that the Penguins are going to sign him. Mike Sullivan consistently demoted him to the fourth line yeah. or scratched him altogether, right? Like there was a serious, serious issue. And I don't know what it was. I don't know what the cause was. I didn't see anything alarming. You know, it was a confusing thing for I me. Either, yeah. But I don't think the Penguins – yeah. I, I don't think they were re-signing him. Yeah, I, yeah, I completely so, agree. It leaves you with a situation now where, you know, I know a lot of people seem to complain that, that Connor Sherry is not having the most impactful year. I would argue that the Sabres are also not very good. Um, they're a team that isn't really great at generating a bulk of scoring chances. Mm-hmm. You know, when you look at Connor Sherry in the context of that and you start to adjust for things like teammates and deployment and environment, he's arguably a more impactful player than Dominic Cahoon this year. Now, people don't want to hear that because people focus on points, and points are important, and goals are important, yeah. but they're also random, Hunter. So, like, there's a process that gets us to those, right? The process for Connor Sherry, I would argue, is as sound or more sound than it is for Dominic Cahoon. Throw in the fact that I would say that, that Cahoon struggled to, to meld into what the Penguins are. It took him a while to get there. Um, even when he did get there, the Penguins didn't seem to trust him in it. We know Connor Sherry can, can fit into this system. And then when you add in uh, getting Rodriguez, who in and of himself, you know, I think it's a player who's been looking for a good, a good opportunity and, uh, and I think is better than some of the depth players the Penguins have. Um, you're, it's a two-for-one deal. Yeah. So today the Penguins got three players. Where, you know, for, you know, I mean, we're not going to look at this as a Cahoon for, for Marlowe mm-hmm. thing, but would you rather have Connor Sherry, Patrick Marlowe, um, and, and Evan Rodriguez, or would you rather have Dominic Cahoon? To me, this is a no-brainer. I mean, Dominic Cahoon is not good enough to tell me that having him is more valuable than having the aforementioned three. It's just a numbers game to me. Um, and, you know, knowing how this team gets hurt, <laughs> knock on wood, <laughs> something happens down the stretch, you're not in a position uh, where you've got to have, you know, um, Anthony Angelo take a regular shift to the playoffs. Yeah. Absolutely, and I have to look this up. I don't know off the top of my head who his most common line mates were in Buffalo. I know for damn sure it probably was not Jack Eichel or Sam Reinhardt. And with the year that Jeff, oh, Stone- Johansson, Johansson's up there, I think. Okay, yeah, um, have yeah. I, I didn't look at. It. I know he's in there somewhere. Um, he's not. I didn't think there may be a dose of Jeff Skinner in there. He's but if you think about that, Hunter, like Jeff Skinner is a pure finisher, mm-hmm. right? 
a great one at that, a sniper. But like, I don't know that the best player to play with Connor Sherry, you know, and it's so I think you could really honest to goodness, put him on any wing in Pittsburgh. It doesn't really make a difference what side he's on. Um, and you know, I know there's a lot of jokes about him falling down a lot, which yeah. is never something I really particularly noticed, but I, mean, I, I think that he's still a player that can help you drive offense and create shots and scoring chances. And, um, been solidly sound defensively throughout the year. Yeah. I think they're going to – what my guess is they may start him with Crosby with Zucker. And then, you know, they always like to rotate that. And then, you know, I know Crosby loves playing with Dominic Simone. It's just so obvious that they really – they like they click together. I like that line. I just – I can see them flip-flopping and putting Simone on the fourth line. But then I, I just – I always – they just always do that. Uh, and that's it's – I know people like to harp on poor Dominic Simone and – you know, if goal scoring was uh, easy, he'd be doing it all the time. But uh. Yeah. Uh, I found it interesting, Hunter, the, the conversations today. Uh, Dominic Simone was as discussed today as any uh, Penguin player. I saw that. That, that was for. ridiculous. It was just like I felt like in like my replies were very Simone heavy, and not just because of him wearing number twelve. Um, it seems like you know a foregone conclusion that'll stick with Crosby. But I mean. Oh, look, like you said, that top, if you put Connor Sherry with Crosby, we know that it works. Mm-hmm. We've got a historical precedent for that. Um, and, and the, you know, here's the weird thing. Like the Penguins, Jason Zucker has to continually progress and there's more he has to learn. But I think he's been fine. Like I think so, too. You know, it's an area – you look at that area pass he laid out for Crosby. At the that Habs. was disgustingly beautiful. Ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I, hey, I'm, I got no complaints. Yeah, I, w- I would really like to watch that line. And then um, for Rodriguez, you know, I think he was coming off almost a near 30-point season for the Sabres last season. Saw Joe Yurden, um, Sabres reporter. Um, he said apparently he had requested a trade right before the new year. Didn't look like he was getting any playing time. I think he's he hasn't even played in 40 games this season. So um, have I read it right that he's been basically a healthy scratch for a lot of these games? Uh, yeah, no, uh, 100% true. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and here's – you want a real, like, mind blower. Somehow or another, Michael Froelich has been getting time uh, <laughs> oh over God. Evan Rodriguez. So what I found interesting today was, like, it seemed that 50% of the Sabres fan base was happy to be rid of Rodriguez, and then the other 50% was kind of frustrated that he didn't get any playing time. I wonder, I wonder, uh, my what, sense, Dwayne, I wonder what Dwayne Yeah, is. my sense <laughs> is that he's a, he fits in, that he's fast. He's yes. up tempo. Yes, uh, plays heavy, can hit. Um, doesn't have really much in the way of hands. Um, but you know, ironically enough, man, like people, I here's what I walked away with. I walked away with the impression of some of the same things people said about Jared McCann. Now, I'm not here to tell you Rodriguez can do what McCann does, but mm-hmm. I felt like the descriptions were applicable to both players. Um, I got to sink my teeth into some tape on it. Um, probably the player that I am going off word of mouth of the most. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I need to watch more of him as well. You know, I know he's he hasn't had the best production this season, but like I said, you know, he hasn't been playing a lot. And like you said, for some reason they have Michael Froelich in the lineup over him, and he's been absolutely um, awful. Um, another thing I do I- wanted to get to real quick um, is there a spot for poor uh, poor Nick Bukestad, man? You know, he's on the road trip. Uh, he's hopefully coming back soon. He's only appeared in 10 games this season. Is there a spot for him in the lineup uh, with uh, all these four? I think that's about 14 forwards now when fully healthy. I'm not including Jake Ensel when he's on. Uh, on could be 15. And, um, could it's be worth 15. mentioning too, by the way, like a lot of people freaked out today about Jake Ensel mm-hmm. and said things like, oh, like this dooms him to never coming back. 
But there's no cap in the playoffs, Hunter. Like, that's yep. the thing. Like, people got to remember that. They do whatever the heck they want at that point. It doesn't make a difference. Um, so this doesn't have anything to do with Jake Ensel. Um, I don't know, man. Like, a line of uh, Patrick Marlowe, Nick Bukestad, and Patrick Hornquist would be pretty frustrating that would to play be, against. That would be a lot of fun to watch. I yeah, think. that'd yeah. be a nightmare. I guess the question is this, right? Like, Nick Bukestad has just been lingering around this organization for like a month. Mm. He's been present. He's been on the ice. He's been skating by himself. We know that he had a core muscle problem. Um, I think the question is like, you know, with John Marino and Brian Dumoulin, they're going on the trip because they feel like they're at a point where like contact is imminent. And this is just like the next step of the process. But I don't like get that sense of Nick Beekstad. He's kind of just continuing to linger. So I, I think it's less about whether or not there's a spot for him and more about whether or not he can play. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I, that's concerning. I mean, it's been a long time that he's been out of the lineup. Um, and it, you know, you know, Sidney Crosby came back and, and even he had, I think probably like a two to three game dip right after he got back where it was like, you could see he was acclimating again. Yes, absolutely. Um, and that's Sidney Crosby, right? <laughs> the best player, like arguably in the world. And that's not Nick Bugstad. So I, I just don't know, man. Like, I don't know. There's been no status on his health at all. Um, nothing form formal anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just think for me, the question is health more than it is space. I mean, it's obvious, you know, I, I think if there was just nothing there, they would have tried to get rid of him today. Yes. So I think the fact that they held on to him says something. Um, we'll see what that something is. Yeah. I mean, I hope that he can come back. I think, I mean, I want to see more of him to see what he can do in this lineup. And, you know, like you said, with Dumoulin and Marino, you know, I, I want those two guys back more than ever. You know, I probably can't watch this defense anymore with Jack Johnson on the top pairing and um, just uh, Jack Trotman on the third pair. It's just, it's, it, it hurts you, my eyes. Here's, here's to, the problem, right? Like if you said to me, like, are you going to take out Teddy Bluger at the expense? Like is Teddy Bluger coming out at the expense of Nick Bukestad? Yeah. I don't know that the answer to that question is yes for me. Like Teddy Bluger has been very good. Very good. He's been out. And I know that, awesome. like, there's this perceived drop-off for him offensively, but, like, the, the what his penalty killing and, and the role-playing stuff that he does. His defensive play you know, is through the roof. Yeah. So, I, you know, I don't know that it's a yes for me. I think that's – I'm concerned. I, you know, that's a big question. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've really liked the way that Teddy has really come up this season. Um, it makes me really happy. Um, I still – Kind of last season, it's still kind of weird that he was not playing that role um, because they, for some reason, wanted to give it to Matt Cullen because Matt Cullen was still kind of a corpse, I think, at the time. Uh, that's probably a little mean to say to poor Matt Cullen. We love Matt Cullen. <laughs> no, it's po- just nostalgic, you know? We love Matt it. Cullen on this podcast. Yeah, yeah but um, but yeah, I was talking about the uh, the defense as well, uh, Jesse. It's, it's going to hurt my eyes if I can't see more than one person make a good breakout pass because uh, I I need those two back in the lineup Um now uh, and hopefully it comes within a week or two. I was listening to Jim Rutherford today. Sounds like it's it's getting closer. Uh, yeah, when they're on the trip, yeah. I mean, you know, Saturday was big. Saturday is the day that they got the the formal update about both players. So if that report was anything less than positive, you are probably looking at a situation and think about how horrifying this is, where it's Connor Sherry and Marco Scandella, and not. Connor Sherry um, and Rodriguez. That's terrifying, man. Yeah. Like even in like a Mark Strike kind of role, um, I don't want Marco Scandella on the Penguins. So 
the fact that Jim Rutherford didn't get a defenseman today is a sign that these guys are going to be back, you know, sooner rather than later. Yeah, um, yeah, and that's huge. That's just huge. You can't say enough about boy, it. Boy, do they need it? Like I said, I, I, if I, I need to watch someone other than Crystal Tang actually make a breakout pass and, you know, actually play defense. Uh, well, actually, Marcus Pedersen had a rough game, but he's been um, okay as of late. But uh, lastly, Jesse, you know, with these additions uh, to the, um, of course, to the lineup, um, how far could you see the Penguins just going? Like, how how do you see them stacking up to these teams? I guess my real question is how. Do you see them stacking up to the other contenders in the East, like a Tampa, Boston, or Washington? Oh, I mean, like, let's assume for a moment that you have Brian Dumoulin and you have John Marino. Yeah. Let's just, and we can just even throw Nick Bugstad to the wayside for a minute. Let's just assume he never comes back or something happens. Um, You know, you're looking at Latang Dumoulin. We know that that's reliable. And we know more than ever now that Latang really needs him. And I just don't think there's another defenseman on the team that understands Chris Latang the way that Brian Dumoulin does and knowing when to give him to puck and, and where to be as his default and all that comes with that. Uh, John Marino really buoyed up Marcus Pedersen and the two of them really seemed to understand each other. Mm-hmm. That was a phenomenal pairing uh, when it was healthy, which makes your third pairing Jack Johnson and, and Justin Schultz and knowing how Mike Sullivan deploys his third pairing, those guys are going to be fine. They're fine. I really do. They're, I don't. I have no concern about. I, I sure hope so, man. Because poor Justin Schultz, man. Here's the thing, yeah. Justin. Like, or, here, the, Justin, here's the thing, Hunter. They were at their best mm-hmm. in those low minutes, right? And these are the minutes that like Chad Ruedel and Yuso Rico can eat up, right? So they're going to be out there with the heavy hitters defensively on on the forward side. Um, you know, they'll, they'll get deployments with the Crosby line, which you know. You you can't you, you know what I mean by that is they they kind of get the extra the extra the uh, bump from them from time to time where you know they're going to lift that pairing up a little bit so I you know look I think they'll be I really honestly think they'll be fine defensively I have no concern and if one of them goes down you know Chad Ruedel's uh, more than serviceable or Yusariko for that matter um, yeah. goaltending I'm not I'm not worried. They have two really good guys right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, the forward depth's almost insane. I think that uh, they match up great against the Caps. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, I'm not really worried about that. I, you know, I think in a seven game series, uh, they're going to the Penguins just going to be too much uh, for the Caps to handle defensively. Um, yeah, I think the team honestly that worries me the most is probably Tampa, and it's just because Tampa seems to be able to open up a game that tempts the Penguins into all their worst habits, right? Mm. Um, whereas, like, you almost think Boston's more heavy, they're more methodical, they're more conscious defensively. That's what they, I was they thinking. Don't open, mm-hmm. yeah, they don't open games up like that. You know, Tampa almost, like, they want to get into that track race with you, and you would think that would benefit Pittsburgh, but I actually think it exposes them in, in their worst areas. So um, I think if, if, you know, they could be, you know, disciplined and, and, and they can, you know, Kind of play Tampa the way they did in Game Six and Seven of the 2016 Finals. They can beat them. Um, you know, I, I I truly believe that if the Penguins could get back to those good habits and and if Dumoulin and Marino have the effect that they think that we think they're gonna have, um, they're gonna be as tough as out as anybody is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, of course, you know the big thing with Tampa is you know are they gonna actually <laughs> not be a paper champion as some people would like to say though. I think them against Boston that's gonna be. Um, absolutely ridiculous, though. I mean, I think with Boston, it's just they like 
they bring something out in the Penguins that for some reason I just I don't I just don't like about it. And like I feel like they're like the only team that can kind of get under their skin a little bit. I think it's always been like that. Um, and also that's a team that I mean also I've never really seen the Penguins uh, win a playoff series against. I think some I saw some talk about you know that it's it's the last it's one of like the last hurrahs of the Crosby Malkin era is you know beating the big bad Bruins and. You know, if they were to get to them in the conference final, I think it would be a really cool series. I think I would like the Penguins in that series. It's just, uh, there's something about the Bruins, man. I just, I don't trust, especially with the Bergeron, Apostronach, Marshawn line that just gives me the creeps. When I just, it's, it's so, it's so good. And um, yeah, I, I just, I'm, I'm really excited to, um, you know, watch this team going forward. That hopefully they're going to get healthy. There's no more injuries. And all that. But uh, Jesse, I really appreciate you coming on this episode, man. This was a lot of fun. Great insight on all the trades. And um, I'll be also really looking forward to your piece tomorrow on Patrick Marlowe. Uh, really curious to see the video. Um, I, like you said, I know the Sharks are a terrible defensive team. They lost Eric Carlson for the season. And, you know, they also have a bunch more injuries. Their goaltending is absolutely atrocious, too. Uh, I feel bad that they keep trotting out those two um, guys. But, yeah, thank you so much for coming on, man. I really, I really appreciate it. Anytime, I appreciate it. Yeah, so uh, we'll have another episode coming tomorrow. Um, I'll figure out what I'm going to do for that. I, I'll, I'll make it up on the fly probably. Uh, so um, keep it right here on Locked on Penguins, and we'll talk to you guys tomorrow.